The Daily Brew started off with two guys who both love good coffee and great theological discussions. I'm pleased to announce that we have now partnered with Good Folks Coffee to bring you the Daily Brew Blend. Are you tired of terrible coffee? We were too. Go to the website sponsor page and click on the Good Folks Coffee link. That's at yourdailybrew.com. Prepare yourself to experience a whole new coffee world. Hey guys, this is for you, the listeners of the Daily Brew Podcast. I want to tell you about Audible. Audible's offering a free audiobook download, and they're offering it with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their great service. Get your free audiobook download and free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash dailybrew. I like listening to the Chronicles of Narnia audiobook with my daddy. August 28, 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. gave a speech that would redefine history. King gave a speech that would challenge racism, which was so rampant within his day. About a month later, on September 15, 1963, many families were getting up to get dressed, prepared for church. In Birmingham, Alabama, at the 16th Street Baptist Church, three KKK members secretly planted 15 sticks of dynamite under the steps of the church. One of those men later would call and say three minutes to the person who answered the phone. Everyone in the church tried to evacuate the building as soon as possible. One minute after the call, the bomb exploded, killing four girls who were changing their choir robes in the basement. The explosion blew a large hole in the church's wall. All the stained glass windows shattered except for one which depicted Jesus leading a group of young children. What does the gospel have to say to the issue of racism? And then all of a sudden, boom, all of a sudden I heard a voice out saying, saying, somebody bombed the 16th Street Church. And it was so clear to me as though that this person was right there with this, but they was outside where the crater was and a bomb in the church where, where they bombed the hole there. And all the debris came rushing in and I was hit in my face with glass and also in my both eyes. But when they, the man came in, his name is Samuel Rutledge, he came in and picked me up and carried me out of the cradle and the ambulance was out there waiting. This is The Daily Brew. This is The Daily Brew. I'm your host, Adam Hall, and this is my co-host, Jeremy Thornburg. Hello. 
We are a Christian podcast that examines various biblical and cultural issues through the lens of Christ. Uh, this week, we are going to be examining the topic of uh, racism and race uh, and how the church and how uh, believers should respond to, to racism. We don't pick easy topics. No, definitely not. But yeah. I think the Bible does have a lot to, to say to us about um, racism and how the gospel infiltrates that, though. Definitely. And I think, too, all too often we try to steer away from topics that are difficult, especially cultural topics, because they're, so, they're such hotbed issues that we're afraid we're not going to say the right thing. And we forget that the gospel does address everything, um, and it does engage um, culture, and it does engage difficult situations. And the church needs to hear what's a biblical response to whatever the to- hotbed topic uh, of the day is. And people need to have uh, the knowledge, the biblical knowledge, to biblically engage um, right. those topics. Yeah, I mean the the, the church needs to be um, needs to be uh, confronting uh, culture, um, pointing it out where it goes wrong, where it's going right. And I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's what we're called to do. Just like good musicians should call out Nickelback for their horrendous music. <laughs> I was wondering if you're going to pull off a Nickelback reference. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know how I pulled off a Nickelback reference this week on uh, Gospel and Race, but I just did. You did. You did indeed. I think, too, along with what you are just saying, um, that we need, to, we need to be able to admit where we've had flaws. Like, for example, the church is not, uh, doesn't have a perfect history with it. There are times where we need to repent of the church's history. There are times where we've got it completely wrong. Um, for example, um, the church historically owning slaves um, and different things of that nature. You've got William Wilberforce fighting against slavery, but you also had John Newton, uh, the writer of Amazing Grace, uh, owning slave ships for a period of time, and he did to repent of that. And um, mm. But we need to, even even Propaganda, we're interviewing him in this podcast, wrote a song about the Puritans that... We don't need to treat church history as if it's perfect, but recognize the fact that uh, even in history, there are times that the church needs to repent of where it's done things wrong. Um, it testifies the fact that we're not a perfect people throughout church history, but we do have a great Savior who has forgiven us, that we're not a, um, a people without flaws, but we are sinners in the need of a great Savior. I think the important thing to do when we look at, uh, when we look at church history um, is um, realize that uh, we're all blind, we're all sinners in need of a Savior, and our, our generation may get things right, but our generation gets a lot of things wrong. Definitely. And so, you know, it, it's real easy, uh, you know, we mentioned a few weeks ago, I, I love the term C.S. Lewis coined called chronological snobbery. We tend to look back at everybody that came before us and think they were, uh, you know, these uh, guys that were, uh, you know, going out and beating a pterodactyl with a stick and uh, coming home, and they, they were Neanderthals. And, uh, I mean, you know, you know these uh, like the Puritans were, were fantastic at piety and mm, personal okay. piety. Uh, but, I mean, they had their inconsistencies just like we do. I mean, I remember the first time I heard Jonathan Edwards had slaves, and I was like, well, what? Uh, you know, and it, it took me a little while to deal with that. But then you, you get to the point where you go, we're all in need. This shows us our need for the Savior. Yeah. We can't even get mm-hmm. we can't even get social and cultural issues correct, and so we have to. Every generation, including ours, has to. We have to go back to the Bible and let the Bible be our source of of truth and how we live our life. That's why I've always really liked the Reformation's motto, "Simpra Reformata," which mm-hmm. means always reforming. 
And what that really means is that we're always constantly looking to bring our theology and our lives, our practice and doctrine um, back to Scripture, that we're always reforming and conforming ourselves to Scripture. So we can recognize the past and their flaws and the things they had right. We can look at our generation and recognize that. But also, we have to admit that there are times where we need to be open to rebuke. Um, we need to be able to examine different issues uh, to say, hey, we may have it wrong. And I think uh, the issue of racism and different things of that nature is something that um, at times we need to examine and think about and really um, examine what's going on in our culture and offer what does the Bible say about this and what does, the, what does Scripture say about racism. And that's where we're going to dive in now into our topic of uh, what does the Bible say about racism. Can I play devil's advocate with you for a minute? You may, sir. So um, I, I, I thoroughly think that the Bible is, is racist. Give me, uh, t- tell me why, how you can be a Christian even though the, the Bible's, uh, you know, I, I think the Bible's racist. I think that uh, it, it pits people against each other. So what, what would you tell a person like that? Um, first of all, I would start off with showing that um, the whole narrative of Scripture is pointing to the fact that um, heaven and, and God's goal was for all peoples um, to worship Him. And then we see in Revelation that uh, heaven is made up of people from every t- tribe and mm-hmm. tongue. Um, but also the fact that um, all the way back in Genesis, God promises Abraham that the nations are going to be blessed through him. And that there's this longing and hoping for that one day all the nations will be blessed. Well, shortly after Abraham, Israel is established. And then you have all these pagan nations who are coming in. And it almost seems like a, a part of racism. And the reason I say that this seems to be Jew and Gentile, there's a, a big separation going on. So much so that uh, you have the Samaritan woman who would have been seen as kind of a, a mix between a Gentile and a Jew, even though she was a Jew. Um, she comes uh, to Jesus and she says, we worship on our hill and you worship on your hill. And then Jesus says, I'll tell you, a day is coming when you'll worship in spirit and truth. And then you have uh, Christ dies for the sins of all people and then he is resurrected. And then he sends his disciples out to all nations. And then uh, Acts 1.8, the, the disciples are sent out to all nations. And Paul makes statements that there's no longer a Jew or Gentile, but all are one in Christ. So my argument that Scripture is definitely not, um, uh, the way I critique that is to say that the whole plan of redemption has always been for all peoples to be blessed in Christ. So I would argue that if you believe the gospel, um, you cannot be a racist for the fact that all the promises of Scripture is that one day we're all going to be one people and that all peoples will declare Christ. Um, and that, that that's the, the major theme of Scripture is that there's no longer... Um, there's no longer Jew, Gentile, male, female. They're all one in Christ. I think building off what you're saying, um, you know, the Bible starts out the, the, its story, and, and uh, we mentioned this um, on a previous episode. God's God's creator. He has rights over you. God's created Adam and Eve in the garden, and um, you 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 see humanity start to start to flourish at the very beginning. And uh, what, what's fascinating is um, man is made in God's image. Mm. And I, I think that's one of the most important things that, that Christianity has to um, say to, the, to the, uh, the, the race debate or the cultural issues is that, look, this person is made in the image of God just like I am. Whether, whether my skin on the outside is white, black, uh, whatever color it may be, it's irrelevant. We all have the same heart issue. 
We all have the same need for a Savior to save us from ourselves, from our sin. And uh, at the end of the day, we are all the same. So even though mm. there, there, there really is, I mean, no such things as races. There's the human race. Mm. We just, we just um, culturally and socially sometimes, and and we have different skin colors. We're just different, but we're all the same. Yeah, I think sometimes people take that concept and twist it and distort it, and uh, in trying to be uh, trying to be careful in what they say, they'll say uh, they'll call us. We should be colorblind. And I don't like that concept. And the reason I don't like that concept, or hey, we should be colorblind, we shouldn't notice color at all. What I think we should do, it's not colorblindness that's important. It's the fact we're called to to see the different cultures, to see the different races, and appreciate their beauty. So it's not that you're blind to them. It's the fact that you recognize them, and you see the fact that they've been created in the image of God, and, and God has made them different, and that difference is beauty. Um, it's similar to how we're in the body of Christ. We all have different parts. It's not that we act like that there's no parts in the body whatsoever, but we see that there are different parts, and we appreciate for them for what they do and what they are. Um, so we recognize the difference, and we appreciate the difference, and we love the difference in that. It's very similar to being male-female. Yeah. I mean, God made us male-female, and we, we each have uh, unique uh, characteristics that, that God has given us, and we want to, we want to as Christians, we want to see that complementarity, and we want to celebrate it, you know, not, uh, not look down um, man to woman or woman to man. Yeah. So question to ask, in light of all the current events with uh, seems to be in the forefront of culture, like with Black Lives Matter and different things of that nature, and um, all lives matter, whatever it may be. Um, different people, we hear stories of uh, African Americans getting shot by police officers, and um, not to too much dive into that, but how can the church and how can believers uh, respond to these things and engage these things? Um, I know you and I are both uh, Caucasians here, but how can we engage and show people? I'm actually um, Scottish. <laughs> I'm actually part Indian, ironically. Are you really? Yeah, I am. I think it's Look at like this. We're discovering something. I yeah. actually didn't know this. Yeah. I'm Scottish and English. I'm as white as they get. <laughs> so how can we as believers and as, uh, how can we in our church uh, address this issue in a loving manner? I think to, I'll start off my answer um, before if you want to engage in it. But uh, one of the things, Jason Meyer, uh, he's now the pastor of Bethlehem Baptist Church. I used to work with him when I lived in Louisville, Kentucky. Incredible guy. Um, he recently did a sermon where he talks about the issue of racism. And I think what um, one of the things that he brings up that I think is very helpful is that we should display uh, empathy rather than apathy. So whenever these terrible situations happen in our culture, one of the things that we should do is rather than just disregard it and act like it's not there or not even say anything about it, one of the things that we can do um, and a Christian response would be, just like Christ says, to weep with those who are weeping and recognize the fact that there are terrible tragedies in this world, that sin is, uh, it has separated mankind, it separated us from one another, it is impacting um, each, as, uh, each one of us so that when one of our brothers is suffering, when one, part's, uh, one part of the body is suffering, that we can suffer with them and uh, we can be a shoulder of crown. We can recognize the fact that uh, terrible things do happen in this world and we need to uh, empathize with them rather than act like it's not happening. That's one of the things that he brings up. Another thing is uh, don't be so quick to uh, judge uh, others' tears. Um, but rather than judging their tears and whether they're right or wrong for mourning, um, whoever it may be, um, will speak quick to to weep with them and, and give them a shoulder crown and comfort them. Um, 
I think those two responses are great responses, but do you have any thoughts? The, the only thing I would add is um, preach the whole counsel of God. Mm. Um, if, if you are sensitive and if you uh, take a, if you're, if you're sensitive to these issues and if, if you're reading through your Bible, especially as a pastor um, that's going to be preaching to their people, um, as you come to text, you're going to see it. I mean, Adam and I, we, we've been preaching through Acts for the better part of the last year, and it's came up several times. You're going to see it in the Gospels. Um, you're going to see Jesus talking to people who, uh, that basically your good moral person here wouldn't talk to. Um, you're going to see that the Bible's going to really shock you if you're preaching through it at, at how... Um, What's the word I want to use here? Um, at how uh, a progressive the Bible is in regards to race and culture, we're always told how backwards it is, and actually, for its time period, uh, very—I'd uh, say it's very progressive in, in its outlook. Um, you know, a lot of times, if if you're going to preach through the Bible, you're, you're going to say things that are going to step on people's toes. And so my my, um, my advice would be uh, preach the preach the counsel to your people. And if if you're a person that this you're reading your Bible, you're not preaching it. Look for these themes in Scripture. Look look for Jesus uh, extending grace to uh, to people unmentionables, people who shouldn't have been extended grace to. And I I, mean, I, th- I think you see it written all over Scripture. I think another thing too to add to it on how you can actually do that is encourage racial diversity within your churches. Mm. Um, I know that's one thing Jeremy and I love. Uh, we we long for more racial diversity within our church, more not just racial diversity, but economic diversity as well. Um, heaven is going to be made up of people of uh, many different uh, races, uh, many different uh, economic backgrounds, and uh, we want our church to reflect that true reality of heaven. So I think that um, churches should encourage that. Obviously, depending on where you live, that may be more difficult because uh, obviously your town may have uh, different percentages uh, or of different races and different things of that nature, but uh, you should encourage that. You should promote that. Um, find ways to actually help that in your congregation um, to be more racial diverse, look more like heaven, if you want to think of it that way. Um, I, went to a, um, I went to a conference a few years ago in Nashville, and um, there, there was a pastor down in Memphis named, uh, I believe his name is Leon Crump, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, he's an Acts 29 pastor um, in Memphis, and uh, the staff on the the elders on purpose were racially diverse. If, if you know anything about Memphis, it's a very racially diverse city. Uh, it's about half and half, and um, the church was uh, as well. And it, it was very neat to watch uh, to watch them reach out to their community. And uh, what what I really took away from it is that the gospel. The gospel's a need for us all. We all need the gospel, white, black, whatever. And um, it, it's a common out. The unity that we have in the gospel overrides these issues. The church should be at the forefront of showing the world what it looks like to live in harmony with one another because we should be doing it as believers with each other. There is no white or black in the kingdom of God. Amen. With that in mind, we're now, uh, we had the joy of interviewing Propaganda. He's a uh, a uh, very famous hip hop artist, and uh, we're now going to go to our interview with him, where we discuss this issue of a Christian response to racism. Hope you guys enjoy it. We are here with Propaganda. He is a hip hop artist. Didn't let you know, but uh, you actually probably are my favorite artist that uh, um, oh man, thank I you. listen to on a regular. Well, thank you very yeah, much for coming on the show. 
Um, we are going to a series right now where we're discussing just the issue of race and racism in our culture. Um, I know it uh, seems like it keeps coming up prominently with that, whether that be through um, hearing about police shootings or just different issues like that. Um, yeah. And so we're discussing uh, the issue of race and racism. I want to ask you just a few questions to uh, pick your brain and see uh, what your thoughts are. I know you've, um, you've yeah. got music about it with Precious Puritans and different things of that nature. Yeah. One of the, the first questions I wanted to ask you is, do you think the, the issue of the, or do you think do, the gospel addresses the issue of racism? Uh, absolutely. Um, I think that the, uh, it's the biggest affront against racism is, is essentially the gospel, uh, for a number of reasons. One, because like, um, the starting point of the gospel is, you know, contrary to, uh, a very, um, how do I say this without being insulting, a very uh, sort of shallow view of, like, redemption. Um, you know, the, the gospel starts at creation, and, uh, and it starts at the idea that, like, human beings are made in the image of God, uh, and he is who is superior in all things, right? And if, and if he is superior, then that means that there's no sort of race or culture that can call themselves or can esteem themselves higher than any other race or culture off the strength of their race or culture because you were all image bearers. Now, having said that, the culmination of our salvation, the culmination of the gospel isn't, it isn't at, uh, the cross. It's at, it's in Revelation. It's at the, uh, the the resolving of sort of the entirety of the of the redemp, of the uh, redemptive arc. So the completion of the culmination of of the gospel is at Revelation. It's when um, the Lord redeems all of all of creation. And what we see, the picture that we see there is um, a great multitude of all tribes and colors and tongues. Right, is what the scripture says. Right, it's great multitude Amen. of, of all these different colors, which means that our distinctions are are not unimportant to God. They're not erased in the gospel. As a matter of fact, they show up in the culmination of redemption, right? So, so if that's the case, then the concept of racism on one end being you're boxed in on one end saying, well, all of us are, are image bearers. And then you're boxed in mm-hmm. on the other end by saying, and God sees our differences in, as important and a part of the redemptive narrative. So, so at the end of the day, like there's no space in the Christian life for racism. Amen. Amen. Uh, another question I wanted to ask in in relation to this is: Do you think there's um, at times people try to place uh, Black Lives Matter against All Lives Matter? Do you think there's a resolve to this, or um, is there any hope to resolve to this? Because it seems like, in my opinion, just from hearing it, I don't I don't think Black Lives Matter is actually saying that all lives don't matter. It's just stressing the yeah. importance of the fact that a lot of innocent people are being killed when they shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, sh- yeah, me and Show Barack actually are putting together kind of an entire tour uh, to really unpack that, like, particular – one of the things we're unpacking is that particular, like, concept and um, the, the, uh, the, the, the part of it that makes it problematic. So – I mean, the first response is like, okay, duh, 
Joe said, of course, all lives matter. So, like, you know, just, like, and there's so many parallels you can make. Like, you know, nobody's saying, you know, to cancer researchers that, well, all sicknesses matter. You know what I mean? Well, like, well, no, I just, but, okay. Exactly. I, I don't, what's your point? You know what I mean? So I think the problem is not even unpacking, like, just the illogical and clearly, like, ulterior motives for the phrase. You know, because because the phrase is reactionary, right? Um, you know, because you're not seeing that. No one's saying that. So if all lives matter, say, okay, where? Well, how you feel about the refugee crisis? Well, we have to be okay with, you know, security. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, never mind. So I guess there's no. Okay, well, what about what about the LBGTQ community? Well, you know, the Bible says, okay, cool. Well, what about the poor? Well, you know, people got to work for themselves. Okay, well, what about, you know what I'm saying? So there's so many things. When you say all, I'm like, well, let me hand you a dictionary. You know what I'm saying? So you, could, so you could understand what all means, right? Because you don't believe that. You understand what I'm saying? So, uh, so, so it has. So the problem is not so much the statement; it's the motive for the statement, right? And the motive for the right. statement is to silence someone, right? And that's the problem, right? Uh, so, so that would be to me like that's the bigger issue, you know. Um, and 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 really why it's why it's so like offensive you know what i mean and 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 it's and and even the fact that the hashtag even popped up as a response is mm-hmm. a testament to the necessity of the hashtag all lives matter it's like or black lives matter it's a testament to the it's necessity because if you really believe that you wouldn't need to respond negatively to a black lives matter movement be like you're right you know what i'm saying absolutely exactly you know what i'm saying you know we're included in all right so if you are then why are you telling why are you telling us we can't talk you know what i'm saying so yeah yeah exactly that's very helpful um could you give us the background of precious pearsons i know it addresses the issue i'm a a big pearson fan but also recognize uh your your point in the song as well that they do have flaws as well, but could you give us the background and kind of explain that? Yeah. So there's the 50,000-foot um, lens that has much more to do with our affinity towards uh, sort of hero worship, right, um, and kind of romanticizing the things that we, you know, sort of want to be okay, Right. You know what I mean? And sort of like this concept of like judgment for others but grace for ourselves um, is sort of the 50,000 foot thing, right? Uh, and if if people really want to like wrestle with that with that piece, you know, it's much more self-reflective than I think uh, those that just immediately got defensive are willing to accept, you know, which again – kind of screams at the necessity for the poem in the first place, right? Because exactly. you, if, you're, if you're immediately going to just defend your fandom of, Precious Pier- of the Puritans and feel like there's such an attack, I'm like, well, that's my point, right, is that you've created an idol, you know, and whether, and, and whether that, that idol was a Puritan or uh, Arminian, I don't know. The point is, you know, why are you not willing to listen to uh, 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 another side of the coin for this person instead of just defending them, right? So there's that. 
Um, that's the 50,000 foot. And then from a more specific, you know, uh, space, um, there was sort of a, a, a very long sort of tradition of like, you know, when people of color get a, get a hold of sort of like, uh, Calvinist or sort of reformed theology by name. You know what I mean? And, and in a lot of ways, like whether, you know, in, in churches of color, especially like in the black church tradition, there's a lot of like, there's actually a lot of reformed theology there. Uh, it's just not called that because historically we weren't allowed in seminaries. Like, it's, it's, you know, that's, which is, they didn't allow black men in the seminaries. So that was just fact. You know what I mean? So because of that, you know, we were we were carrying the doctrines of grace by name or by by action or by thought, but not by name because the name carried such a racist baggage that we're like, I just, there's no there's no way we can associate with this, right? So anyway, so there's this, but if you don't know that history, when you come into someone like myself, when like you get exposed to sort of a rich cerebral kind of academic approach to your theology, it feels so it feels so empowering, and you feel like you've kind of been sold sort of this 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 watered down sort of short version from the church you grew up in as like a person of color that you know and and then and then because there's such a uh a, a heavy like sort of weight on theology you know you kind of swing really hard to that being like dang man like man like i feel like you know my uncle Cor's gene and them you know what i'm saying they wasn't they wasn't serious about their word you know what i'm saying so it's like dang i feel like I really didn't know the scriptures, you know what I'm saying? So you, you start falling in love with this sort of rich church history, these names you've never heard of, and these, these stories and these heroes, right, that you're like, and you fall in love with, like a John Edwards, like a Puritan. And then, and then at some point, you're going to have to start, you're going to break out, like, sort of a calendar and be like, okay, wait, when did the Puritans exist? You know what I'm saying? And just go, okay, wait, when, when was this happening, right? You're like, yeah, I can't help but know that. I can't help but notice, like, yeah, we were slaves then. Like, you know, so you just start doing the math. Like, man, if these guys are so amazing, how come, wait, help me reconcile this. Like, you know, so so you get to this, like, sort of crisis of identity and of faith because you spent so much time, like, kind of in your heart of hearts sort of, like, bemoaning your own church tradition and then embracing this entire other church tradition completely ignored your heritage, right? And and your experience in the country, right? And you're like, how come how come none of these dudes are pointing at this? Right? So then so then when you start doing this math, you start to it, it kinda of start feeling a little uncomfortable. It's like it's almost like this eight hundred pound gorilla in the room, right? Where like you know, like, hey, are we gonna are you guys ever going to bring this up? I mean, I, I mean, you know, the Valley of Vision was, I like it as much as everybody else. Like, it's incredible. But guys, like, yeah, I mean. Let's uh, address the elephant in the room. Are you going to, are you going to address this at some point? You know, and then you start realizing like, no, no, no one's going to address this. Right. Because, and you're only, and your only problem, the only conclusion you have is either A, you don't see it as a problem. Right or B, you're not even you're so in love with these dudes that you're not even willing to admit that there's a flaw, right? Mm-hmm. So 
you just as a person of color, you like you you're just pushed into a corner. Like, well, I I mean I I have to reconcile this. You don't apparently. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's kind of like the thing where it was like, man. And as I was getting, you know, listening to, you know, these 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 like conference speakers just waxing philosophical about the beauty of the person, I'm just sitting there and I'm just thinking like. You mean my owners? Like, you mean my ancestors' owners? Like, I'm supposed to how, – how, like, how dare you stand up there and quote these people, right? And then, mm-hmm. I, and then I thought about how many people quote my music. And I'm like, well, dang, dude, if they only knew the contents of my heart, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and who I was to the world, you know what I mean, and, and what – how many, like, blind spots and, and sort of uh, flaws I have, you know um, – is like it's a thing you know what i mean like i need to i need to reconcile that also so before you have all this venom for these people who are clearly wrong you know what i'm saying well you're clearly wrong too you know so that was like sort of the whole the whole background of like wrestling with number one the reality of like of this disconnect you know what i'm saying but then the 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 reality of my own disconnect one more uh question and uh, we had uh, two fun questions we wanted to ask you but uh, one question is how can um, I'm, I'm a white pastor I'm a Caucasian pastor how can I address this issue in culture um, the best that I've heard Jason Meyer from Bethlehem Baptist Church um, John Piper's uh, the church that you retired from made a really good yeah. statement is to display um, empathy rather than apathy and uh, he says who are we to judge others tears and I think from my perspective, that seems to have been the best thing I've heard is uh, rather than acting like an issue is not there, how about we address it and display empathy rather than um, be apathetic towards all the innocent lives that have been killed. Um, but do you have a, how can a, um, a Caucasian yeah. or even a church address the issue uh, faithfully? Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll leave that one there for you. Yeah, no, I think that uh, that phrase that he, he put together is like, is incredibly accurate, you know, like, that is true, you know, you, you just, you know, I, I'll give you a prime example, like, I, you know, I remember, you know, a couple years back, uh, when all I could think about was, uh, I mean, it's all I could think about was Trayvon Martin, every conversation I had was Trayvon Martin, and how much it reminded me of the LA riots, and how it, like, brought up all the feelings I had when Rodney King was like all of the things I couldn't put my finger on and explain and I couldn't understand my feelings then that now as an adult I'm thinking about and processing them now every phone call every tweet every email everything my entire world was centered around this young man you know this 19 year old with a bag of Skittles and a hoodie you know what I'm saying like you know my whole world was centered around this right and you know, I walked into my church at the time, and it was like nobody – it just felt like, oh, what planet are y'all on? Like, none of you guys are talking – like, are you, do you even know what happened? You know what I'm saying? Like, it just – so exactly. this, like – yeah, so this – you 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 never feel more alone, um, like, than in the moment that you know that, like – not only you, but you're participating in this national conversation and your entire uh, sort of 
world and experience the world and how you relate to everybody that you know that looks and feels and thinks like you is having the same conversation except for my church, right? Like how alone you feel in that moment, you know what I'm saying? And like not only alone but betrayed, right? So even if it's like, even if it's like I don't expect you to, you know, fully comprehend, just like if a man's like wife commits suicide, there's no way in the world I'm going to truly understand that. Right. Um, But I don't need to. I don't have to fully understand it. I just know my man is hurting. That's all I know. He's hurting. And if he says this sucks, I agree with him. He don't have to explain anything to me because that's my brother. You know, that's my sister. And that's what I and at the end of the day, that's what we want to hear. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, and when I think about, like, I think about times that, like, my little brother, like, my actual, my physical little brother would would say or do things, like, at school that I knew was corny or I thought, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if he's getting made fun of, I'm like, yo, you kind of earned it. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> we'll talk about that at home. But in front of these people, like, no, nah, bro. Like, I'll break a jaw over my brother. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't get to say, you don't get to say anything about him. I don't care how wrong he is. You know what I'm saying? Because it's my brother, right? So, so that's the type of, like, as a white pastor, what I'm saying is, like, you know, the, the idea of, like, it's the concept of, like, leveraging privilege, if you will. Like, you already have a certain amount of privilege as a white male in America. And then you put a mic in front of you and a pulpit. You have a certain amount of privilege. So for you to, so for that person to stand up in front of a room and say, hey, listen, I don't get it, and I know most of y'all don't because you, you, were, you were never a black person in America. But let me tell you something. doesn't matter. That's mm-hmm. our brothers. Those are our sisters, right? And if mm-hmm. they hurt, you hurt. You know what I'm saying? And, like, mm-hmm. and just that blanket, like, they don't explain anything. You don't have to explain anything to me. I want to know, but you don't have to explain it. You know what I mean? And that type of just vote of complete confidence, like, yo, I'm just, I'm in here with you, whatever you need. That is what, like, that's the home run. Yeah. Well, two quick questions, and then we're going to hear about where we can learn more about uh, your music and your ministry. But first question, uh, just a fun question for you, is do you have a favorite artist that you listen to, no matter what genre of music? Uh, I probably have two, man. Um, one is a... Uh, Probably uh, Kendrick Lamar, for sure. I listen to him, period, uh, just because he's incredible. Yeah. Um, and then secondly is uh, probably, man, who I listen to regardless. Uh, pretty big Copeland fan. You know, it's like, what a, what a strange name to pull out of nowhere. But, like, I'm, like, <laughs> a really a big Copeland fan. Just that, I don't know, I just, I just like what they do. And then uh, other random question, I know you're involved in coffee. That's actually where we get the name of our show from. you have a favorite brewing method, whether it be like a Chemex or do you have a favorite coffee oh, brewing method? Sort of an – I'm an AeroPress kind of guy. Are you? <laughs> hey, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of a – I have a plethora of choices, so I love coffee. But yeah. Thank you very much for taking the time to, to join us today. Where can we learn more about uh, your music and your ministry? 
Um, you could just go to straight, just uh, humblebeast.com, uh, and um, everything you need is gonna be like, is gonna be right there. Uh, our downloads, our links, all our social media, everything is right there at humblebeast.com. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. It's been a blessing. Man, my pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that this broadcast will be used to strengthen your faith and your love for the church. Tune in next week when we interview Dr. Don Whitney to discuss the topic of family worship. The Daily Brew is a listener-supported broadcast. We exist because of generous donors such as yourself. If you're interested in having your business advertised on our show, please reach out to us through our Facebook page or our website at www.yourdailybrew.com.